From face-to-face training to blended training techniques, the DOT Consulting delivers distinct advantage for organizations looking to grow. We help you invest in technology knowledge through training, experimental learning, and community connections. Employees create an overall collective sharpness, savviness, and greater productivity using technology as a tool, thus increasing the technological speed and quality of the expertise in your organization. The DOT Consulting, a new level of tech savvy. Visit the dot consulting dot co. Welcome to Coding the Future with Dr. Sharon Jones. This is an education-based show focusing on tech careers and how to incorporate the important aspects of technology in your current work. Each show brings you closer to tech success. Now, here's your host, Dr. Sharon Jones. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Coding the Future. Thank you so much for spending your time with me and for being a part of the show. Coding the Future is an education-based show to give information and action tips to working adults to guide them to a new level of tech savvy through leveraging their own skill set. We share the inside scoop on tech trends, explain how to leverage current technology in your career, and explore how your talents can be the key to your tech success. I'm your host, Dr. Sharon Jones. I'm an educator, a technologist, entrepreneur, mom of two boys, which my goodness, one is going to be seven in a couple of weeks, and it's so hard to believe, lover of all things coffee and wine, an avid list maker, and a lifelong learner. And I have to tell you, I learn something new every day. Something my grandmother told me many, many years ago that, you know, it's always important to learn something new every day. And it doesn't mean you have to sit down and open a book. It usually can be in a conversation or just something you see on TV or maybe you see here on the radio. It's just that keeping your mind open to learning new things every day. And I am particularly excited today because I know we are all going to learn something from my amazing guest, Holly Reed, who is a CPA and an award-winning author, speaker, speaker, and certified financial education instructor. Now, you know, if you've listened to this show, that as an educator, I my heart goes a little bit of pitter-patter, pitter-patter when there is another educator in my amidst because we can just have a ball talking about all kinds of things. But today in particular, I am thrilled that Holly is with us because not only is she an educator, she's a certified financial education instructor. And we know how important it is in anything that we're doing to have our finances in check or to at least know what our bank statement says. I think some people probably, Holly, you probably have seen this, probably don't even check their bank statements, but we're going to talk about that in a minute. So I, I, without further ado, Holly, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. And I can't wait to dig in and have an amazing conversation. Yes, I'm ready to get started. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you? Because you're, um, where are you in the world? Like, where's Waldo? And uh, tell us, maybe something that not everybody knows about you. Hmm, okay, so I am based right here in Atlanta, Georgia. So it's wonderful connecting with you and all the great things that you are doing in your space. And something that people don't know about me, this, this always gets me because um, I'm a pretty, I've, I think I'm a pre- pretty much an open book. <laughs> so... 
I'm trying to think of something off the cuff and I'm failing miserably. That's fine. How about what's your favorite hobby? <laughs> oh, my favorite hobby right now is mm-hmm. so um, that has, say golf. Yes, golf. So especially in this COVID environment, uh-huh. one of the few activities that gets me outside where I can be socially distanced from mm-hmm. others. Um, it has been a great connection point with my husband, Gene, because he loves playing as well. So um, I've actually picked it up and enjoying it and just trying to improve my game. That's impressive. You know, that's a commonality. I don't, well, let me say this is a commonality. My husband is an avid golfer. Actually, he went to school to be a golf professional, which means they work in the golf industry. And so I've been around it and my my grandparents played all the time, but I, mm, high end, Eye and hand coordination may not be my thing. I do like riding in the cart, maybe with a glass <laughs> of wine, but that's awesome. So did you just learn how to play like during the COVID timeframe or have you sort of been piddling all along? No, I probably learned a girlfriend actually introduced it to me maybe about four or five years ago. And, um, but I've never really taken it, taken it seriously. Like my first set of golf clubs, I think I bought for like, $50 off of eBay or something like that. Um, but just over over the years and over time, it really helps that my husband loves it as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but of course. I love the outdoors and just mm-hmm. off courses. Some of them can be beautiful, like the landscaping, the um, you'll have, you know, animals and things running across the golf courses. It's just magnificent to, to be out there. And, um, and, and I'm pretty good at it. Pat myself on the back. Yeah, girl. That's exactly right. That's amazing. You know, and it's one of the things about golf that I think is so great is that it can be a team sport or it can be individual. So you can compete against yourself or you could be as a team and you can keep growing and learning and, you know, keeps your mind active. And I think there's a lot of, so this is the inner nerd in me and the education nerd in me, but there's a lot of academics around golf and how you're figuring out the the physics of the swing. And then is it a three par, four par? You know, what is it? You know, figuring out how you're mathematically you're going to make get the lowest score and your form and all that good stuff. I think that's really cool. Okay. And see, there I am. I'm just out there having a good time. <laughs> well, there's a little bit of that too, of course. So tell me, Holly, uh, so you have a designation as a CPA, yes. but that didn't happen overnight. So tell me a bit about when you were a child, was finances something that you even thought about or how did you navigate your way into being a certified professional accountant? Yeah, it's, it's a interesting because, you know, now as adults, we spend, or I know I spend a lot of time reflecting, kind of looking back to see how things grow and develop, um, just because I work with kids quite a bit. And so what I found, even with entrepreneurs today, typically there was something in their childhood that they were interested in or that they were fascinated by. And then it often plays out as adults when they choose their career or they break out of the, you know, the mold of following first what people told them to do. And Mm that's things that they are actually passionate about. There's usually something that happens in their childhood. And so for me, what I've pinned it back to and I, I, you know, my my um, 
I used to collect piggy banks when I was a little girl. Oh my gosh. I used to collect piggy banks and I stopped collecting piggy banks once I ran out of room in my, in my bedroom where I just didn't have any space, any space for them anymore. And to this day, um, I still have those piggy banks like boxed up in a closet. Now, what triggered that? That I do not know. I have no idea. Well, there's a lot of cute piggy banks. <laughs> but that is really interesting. Right. So fast forward um, in high school, I was actually introduced to this bookkeeping class. And it was just something that I just caught on to really quickly. And then my high school at the time actually had people from the banking industry, people from the accounting and finance world come in and talk to us. You talk about um, just the exposure because no one in my family, my mom was a nurse. My dad was a psychology major who ended up working for the federal government for years before he retired. So there was nothing directly personal attached to me to say, yes, you should study accounting. (laughs) Uh, But it was that introduction in high school and um, that really pushed me in that direction. So I knew what I wanted to study in college, was very clear on that. Um, I was raised as a rule follower. So that worked right well with following, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. So in accounting, you have a set of rules that you have to follow. So that just went right along with my personality and kind of what I've been taught to do all along. Um, And, and I've also been been raised to kind of stick to things, right? You don't give up, you keep trying. So as as the information became more difficult, you know, just persevering and pushing yourself through and finding a way to make it. Um, and then my, you know, my, my, the dean of our college was really big on just making sure that everyone graduated with the job as they should be, because, you know, mm-hmm. we go to college, right? Yep. Um, he really pushed and encouraged most of his business schools, most of his accounting majors um, to go into public accounting. And so to be successful in public accounting, you have to become a certified public accountant. Mm-hmm. He, you know, he just really pushed uh, for that. And I took that advice to heart. Like, hey, I want to be a success. Let me follow the rules and do what's necessary in order for me to be successful. So um, like like you said, or like, or like I mentioned earlier, we, you know, do what we're told to do based off of past history, right? Or based off of a track record that the adults who are guiding us in our life are giving us. But then at some point, um, you reach a point where, where you start thinking for yourself, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Where you're really like, do I enjoy this? Mm-hmm. Is work um, benefiting me? And it is. I still enjoy the work to to the day, but it's not. Um, I'm no longer a active accounting. I moved over or changed my career over into the finance world, where there's a little bit more gray, right? Not as much black and white, right? Forecasting and projecting and budgeting and all of those things, but but that's the basis. Um, but what I found that really um, lit my fire or got me excited 
about things was teaching people about money and teaching people about money management specifically. Um, and that really stemmed from my own personal experiences with it. So growing up in Atlanta, I'm the youngest of four siblings. Um, my parents did what they could. They told that, you know, they gave us a lot of generic advice, but there wasn't a lot of money to practice with as a mm -hmm. child or even as a young adult. Um, so when I started to make my own money, boy, was I bad at it. <laughs> oh, yes. Um, I, I can I can empathize with that, too. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so listen, because there there's a there is a stigma or a expectation that if you if you met if you majored in accounting, if you graduated with honors, if you're working for, you know, large public accounting firms guiding major corporations on how they should manage their books and records, then you must have it all together. And I will tell you, that is not true. The the schools, the education system they teach us how to, like I said, follow certain rules. Um, you follow these rules specifically for big companies and big organizations. But where there's a gap is they don't necessarily teach you how to apply it to company number one, which is you, which is your personal finances, your money management habits. Um, and so you may get a little bit in a math class. You may get a little bit in a social studies class or something. Um, but right now, I believe the statistic is there are only six U.S. states that require a solely focused class on personal finances before someone graduates from high school. So only six states currently. Wow. That. Okay. And yeah. it only has to be a semester. And so when you think about where you are you know, when you graduate about 18 years old, you're making a lot of big, powerful decisions that will definitely impact the kind of lifestyle that you live, the kind of money that you're going to make. You're deciding whether or not to go to college, right? You're deciding yep. what you're going to major in. Those decisions directly impact what kind of, you know, careers that are going to be available and accessible to you, what kind of money you're going to make. And so um, that's kind of how the master playbook was birthed because I was so bad at it. And here I was kind of focused and entrenched, entrenched in a major that's, mm -hmm. that you think would have taught me all of those things, yet I didn't know. And so if I didn't know, surely someone who majored in communications would know. Surely someone who majored in engineering wouldn't know. And so, you know, and we see it. I mean, the data, the statistics show all of us um, how many of us fall into the same common financial pitfalls time after time. And it's because we're, we are never taught that. And so it doesn't make sense that we're able to master something that we've never been taught. Right. You know, there's a couple of things that you've stated as you were talking that I think are really important. One is. I absolutely 
agree with you about the accounting piece. I didn't take my first accounting class until I was uh, working on my master's degree. I was a communications major as an undergrad. And then when I went to work on my master's in education, I'm a business and information and IT, which is where my teaching certificate is. And one of our classes was accounting. And I have to tell you, Holly, it was like it lit up my fire because it had to equal on either side. And I like logic, which makes me a pretty good programmer, right? So if you really like logic and list making, computers have to have a certain sense of logic in order for them to run, right? But I like what you said. It was like you could see how the two, there was like an end game, right? You could see how one side equaled the other in order to to make a decision. But the other thing that you said, so I want to make a note about that because if you like things to even out, I mean, I think sometimes people are told they're not great at math, but accounting is a very large area of math and yep. you can yep. master that very beautifully if you like things to have an answer, you know, balance Absolutely. the sheet, right? The other piece is I really like what you said about we learn about finances for other companies, but we don't t- talk about the number one company, which is you, yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. I really like that. That was, that's really well, obviously you're the expert, but really lovely said because we don't, we tend to think about everything else, but not our own financial wealth and health. Um, yeah. And it's so important. I mean, money management is a life skill. Uh, you, you, it, it's, a, it's as important as your ABCs and your one, two, threes, because once you are out on, you, on your own, you have to deal with it every day. You make money decisions min, every minute, almost every second of the day, right? Just based yes. on voices and the, and the things that you decide. It all comes down to money. <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking, I just got a text message from my husband saying he found a new storm door that we wanted. And I'm like, oh my goodness. Okay, how are we going to make this work? I mean, we've been talking about it and he finally found one for a good price. And I'm like, oh, okay, let me, I need to move some things around. So Absolutely. Wait, I'll be back to you about that. But yeah, you're right. We'd make decisions on a regular, all, every day, all the time. And yep. Let me also make this note that it's not, we're making money decisions. They're not necessarily hard mathematical problems, which I think sometimes is what is the perceived Mm -hmm. piece of accounting that it's really hard or that we, or or money management. Oh my gosh, there's so much, there's stocks, there's bonds, you know, all, but in general, the basics of money management are really, you know, how much do you spend? How much do you bring in? It's, it's simple arithmetic. It's simple math. The things that we're, we're making decisions on can be broken down in simple math, but because there's this whole industry around it, it's, it can be a foreign language to people, right? Yeah, it can. Getting into investing and, the, and that type of stuff, it can become a totally foreign language and people shut down. Yes. The thing about that is just like anything else, there are people who speak that language. There are people who are expertise. So as adults, you just got to connect with the person who speaks the language, whether that's your financial advisor, your financial planner, hiring a CPA or a bookkeeper. Um, but however, one of the things that I'm really pushing for, um, part of my legacy is to try to introduce that language, teach the language to our kids while they are younger. So that they can avoid a lot of the financial mistakes that we made as adults, mm-hmm. that many of us may have made. Yes. But to equip them because their brains, they can absorb so much. They are such 
fast learners. Our kids are brilliant. They are. Kids are innovative. They are creative. So some of the problems that we even juggle with now, um, they are going to be the ones to solve those problems. And I want every person that I'm able to reach, everyone I'm able to touch, to know that they could be the next general, you know, the next future millionaire. It is totally possible. They just have to learn, you know, some of the foundational basics and then find ways to um, keep that learning going as they grow and mature. Yeah, you know, you're right about that. And let me also say that it is really important for you to have a basic understanding of what money management is, how the process of your money works. But you made a very relevant point that there are experts in the field that can help you take that money and take it to the next level. Absolutely. That scalability. And that's the part that's so important. And you said it very well, too, that finding that person that speaks to you, what do you want your money to do for you? What is Absolutely. the ultimate end goal for that money? How do you want to live your life? And the, and the great thing about it is you can make that choice. You know, if you can understand the basics of how it works, then finding someone to help you take it to the next level is amazing. Yes, you don't have to do this alone. You do not have to do this alone. And I think a lot of people get stuck in just trying to make those big decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have the background. You don't have the right. not, you don't have the solid foundation. So you get stuck uh, or paralyzed, um, or because you feel intimidated because you you know don't understand everything. And um, a lot of people, especially as we get older, you know, in mm-hmm. our forties, fifties. You know, they're like, oh, you know, they they feel like this is something I should know because of how old I am. But I want to encourage anyone listening to this that you don't again, I can't say this enough. There's no way you can master something you've never been taught. So asking for help is not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength. It's a sign of strength when you seek advice, when you seek help. That's going to put you in a position of power so then you can move out of the place of being stuck and like you said, to the next level. So tell me a little bit. I'm going to I'm going to jump or cross over here to about the master playbook because okay. I, I'd like for you to tell us just a little bit. And I, I completely agree. I think over time for me, there was a bit of shame. Oh, let me roll back for just a second with yeah. the master playbook. You mentioned about making some financial errors when you were younger. You know, I finance is all money has sort of been an interesting mindset piece for me uh, from when I was a child. But I remember that in, in college, you know, you get this sense of independence and I got a credit card. It was one of those when you went to college and they all lined up and they since have restricted that from occurring because I got roped into it. And of course, then I immediately put myself in debt because I was using the credit card to purchase items, you know, and just having, if I had just known even, you know, in high school that that was not, would not be a good decision. You know, I think that would have, so I walked out of college with credit card debt that, you know, and I ended up paying it off, but you know, that's something that I think is really important to teach the younger generation about the, you know, debt and what Absolutely. you bring in, those kinds of things. So tell me a little bit. So you are practicing CPA. You, you've 
done done that part of your career and then you moved into finance and then you realized really working with kids was such an important factor. So your company, The Master Playbook, came into being when and how did that begin to develop um, over over the course of the last few years? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think I founded The Master Playbook back in 2012 and it kicked off um, when everyone was on Facebook and I created this Facebook group and I wanted to do this challenge called uh, debt down dollars up or something like that. Ninety well, like down dollars up, where I was encouraging anyone who wanted to participate to um, join this challenge, where we were going to focus on eliminating our debt over ninety days. Now, where that was triggered is I had recently clawed my way out of over thirty thousand dollars of debt. I'm talking student loans, credit cards. Um, auto loans. I was a new homeowner. So one of the things that my dad instilled in me and my sisters was, you know, when you graduate from college, I want you guys to come home, save up your money for a year, and your very first purchase should be a house. That was something that he really instilled in me. So I bought my first house at the age of 23. Wow, that's amazing. But but what happens when you have a house? Then you want to furnish it. Then Oh, yeah you know, the obligations and the responsibilities of maintaining the house and cutting the grass and just all these other things that maybe you don't think about necessarily (laughs) when you're buying Mm -hmm. property. (laughs) Um, And so, again, I got into a lot of debt um, also because of, at the time, I was working, again, like I said, in public accounting. And when they give you this corporate card in public accounting, you're traveling to these beautiful places, staying in these wonderful, luxurious hotels, traveling business class. And so you you get a sense about, oh, this is what it's like. And then you start transferring those corporate behaviors into your personal <laughs> behaviors. Mm-hmm. Necessarily line up. <laughs> like, right. you know, when I personally travel, Maybe I shouldn't be flying first class or maybe I should, you know, maybe I should pick a a lower cost hotel when I'm using my money. Right. Uh, But, but, you know, just it can, for whatever the reasons were, whatever the draw was, whether it was peer pressure, all your friends are traveling and you want to go with them or, you know, just bringing on all that debt. Um, And so when I was figuring it out, um, I had my rock bottom moment. So my rock bottom moment was um, I was laid off during the uh, the tech bubble first, right? And so the public accounting firm that I was working for started laying people off. And all of a sudden, I'm without a job. And I was devastated. I was shocked. I was like, wait, how does mm-hmm. this happen? Now, I've been laid off but I still have my mortgage. I still have a car payment. I still have these credit card bills, still have my student loan bills. And so um, my lowest moment for me was one, sharing with my parents that I was just laid off. I know, it's the worst. Your parents, right? Yeah. And so in this conversation, talking to them, they're like, okay, well, what's what's your plan? You know, you got to start looking for another job. And so my um, dad was like, well, bring your bring your bills over here and we're going to help you kind of stay afloat. Now, first of all, thank God for parents. Cause I know not everyone has that option, right? Not everyone has family member that can help them 
financially stay afloat. So I understand that that is a blessing and a privilege, right? Because some people have nothing. But Mm -hmm. shame, I tell you, the shame of showing them my bills and they're like, what What have you been spending your money on? What is this credit card for? And what is this for? And just the, I was so embarrassed and so like disappointed in myself that I wasn't better prepared that I think in that moment, I decided I will never, I will never be in this position again. I will Mm -hmm. come back to them again and, you know, just be the transparency of it all, right? It's different when you're doing your own thing and nobody kind of sees because you're kind of juggling it all on your own. But now that other eyes are on it and you have to kind of answer and explain yourself to people who are helping you, I mean, that was the lowest. (laughs) So I can understand. Yeah. So for me, it was that point where I just started reading everything I could, listening to different experts um, and just trying different things, trying to make sure that I got out of debt, that I was, you know, self-sufficient, that I had saved my money. Now it all had meaning, right? So when I was growing up, my parents told me, hey, Holly, you need to save some of your money. Hey, you don't need to spend everything that you bring in. But I never had that practical application of it, right? Because I was managing by juggling things. Right. Um, And so for me, that's when it kind of clicked on my aha moment, again, clawing my way out of debt. And once I did that, I wanted everyone I knew, everyone I didn't know to to experience what it felt like on the other side of credit card debt, on the other side of auto loan debt. It was just a sense of freedom that just sparked a flame in me that I could not extinguish. And um, so that's when I kicked off the challenge in the Facebook group. It was I got so much um, good good um, feedback from people who, you know, and me sharing my tips and my tricks. How did I do it? What did I do first and second and third? And um, people were just thirsty for the information and people were seeing results that I was like, oh, I'm on to something here. Um, And then as, you know, time progressed, I just reflecting back, I was like, well, how did I get here as an adult? It's because I didn't know what I didn't know when I was younger. So maybe is there a point in time where I can go back and reach people before they make the mistakes. I don't want to talk to people after they've made the mistakes. How can I prevent them from making the mistake in the first place? And uh, so that's kind of what led me to the middle schoolers and the high school students to try to catch them before they get in college and get start getting all those credit card offers um, and just go crazy because they're all hungry for that independence and mm-hmm. um Credit cards can give you this false sense of power when you're in this buy now, pay later uh, consumer culture. So, yeah. And it was so pretty. The credit card was so pretty. And I was like attracted to it, you know, immediately. No, um, that is spot on. So how do you work with your middle school or high schoolers? So the master's playbook can be for anybody, right? It's for adults or children. And then you adjust it, of course, when you're working with kids. But how do you work with kids? Is it a something you go into the school system? Do people come to you for workshops? How does that work? Yeah, so it started off with uh, people coming to me for workshops. So it with... um, you know, whether it's the Girl Scouts of America, 
uh, organizations like Jack and Jill of America, essentially parent-led organizations that are all about empowering their kids, right? And so um, how it usually kicks off is I'm, I was talking to the parents about it first, and then they're like, wait, just why don't you just come say what you said and tell it to them? And <laughs> yeah, because when it comes from somebody else, it's always so much better than when it comes from you as the parent. Yeah. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So it started off just with invitations to do different workshops. But I tell you what, with the pandemic, um, you know, things, my engagements, my workshops were being canceled left and right as people were kind of get getting acclimated to this online learning environment. Right. We're going to do this. And, oh, this used to be in person. Now we can't meet in person. And so it forced me to go to them directly. So I created a money camp for kids. That's for ages um, 10 to 14. And then now monthly, I do a smart money series or smart money moves for teens for 14 to 18 year, 14 to 18 year olds. Um, and that's a monthly conversation. So it's a, it, they, is it a workshop based or they join, there's a group of them that come together to talk, you have different, you have a formula or a curriculum or content. Exactly. So okay. for the money camp, it's a four week uh, curriculum where each week we talk about a different topic and then they have that entire week to um, perform the activities that I assign them to reinforce the money habit that we talk about. Gotcha. Live session. And then, um, so that's the four week curriculum for the money camp for kids for the um, smart money moves series for teens. Again, it's, I pick a topic. We talk about it for about 60 minutes. I give them, um, again, activities, a call to action, something that I want them to go do um, mm -hmm. as a result of our conversation for them to practice it. And um, that's what it's all about. It's like it, we can give them the information all day, but we've got to make it applicable to them. So some yep. kind of exercise, activity, something that's relatable to them at their oh. age. Yes. You're making my, my, my goosebumps stand out because that's what I say all the time, all the time. Yes. They have to see it. They have to understand it. Yes, they have to see it. They have to apply it. Um, it has to be real and relevant to them. And, it, and it's so funny because even with the teenagers, you know, I'm like, oh, okay, so we're talking about saving money and I want you guys to give me something that you're saving for. And 14-year-olds are like, oh, I want to save for a house. And I was like, pause. I want you to think about something you're saving for right now at your age. At 14 years old, you aren't able to buy a house. <laughs> so I want you to scale it back. Although I'm not going to lie. That's a little bit impressive that they're even thinking that they're going to save for a house. But okay. I, I mean, that aside, I agree. At 14, that's not happening tomorrow. So, okay. Right. Exactly. Right. I'm like, scale it back. It doesn't have to be this big aspirational or this big, um, you know, like I'll get some kids that are be like, oh, I want to, um, I want to, you know, save the whales or, and I'm like, I, I get it. I understand. But tell quick me wins. They need quick wins, quick <laughs> <Yes>. victories that <laughs> where they can see. It's like you even said, like just when you got on the other side of car debt. Yes. Which was a big deal, but you know, little by little, you right. were able to out come out of it. So it's little wins, little victories that big to save yes. the whales. Absolutely. Right. So we got to start where they are. Like, don't make it too aspirational. Make it something that they can actually achieve 
within the next month or the next few months um, so that they don't just let it fall by the wayside. You know, I really like that you're mentioning that and and, and I'm going to echo in on this because I think about this very often when we talk about learning a new tech skill, when you think about learning anything new. And I love that you said earlier that you can't master something you haven't learned yet, right? And But that happens. And a lot of times for adults, I mean, kids are this way too. They want instant gratification. And as adults, we have different things on our plates. And so instant gratification is okay. But I, I think back to that when you're thinking about a learning you like we like things in sets of threes mm-hmm. so you take one step at a time and as you when you get over that third little step all of a sudden like there's a different change in your energy right so yeah. i like what you're saying small pieces you have the children back up yes a house is good i'm still equally impressed they even said that because i'm not <laughs> sure that even my children would do that but giving them an attainable goal and right. then it's that when you reach that attainable goal, that little sense of confidence and that buildup moves you to the next level. And I think about that equally when I'm teaching new tech skills. Yes. Or if you're an adult learning a new tech skill, don't think you're going to walk away with the whole entire piece, even at the end of a boot camp. You've gotten halfway through it and then you keep learning. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. That, that is so key. We've got to make it, um, break it down into, I call them snack size pieces or mm bite-sized pieces that they can, you know, digest, chew on, think about, practice in some way, in some form or fashion um, before they move on to the to the next step. That's the key. Like that, to me, that was the piece that was missing in all the practical money advice that my parents gave me as kids. Nobody, you know, sat me down to show me, for me to actually feel what it feels like to save and wait. Look, we are living... <laughs> This yeah. environment <laughs> where you can literally press a button and the package is at your door the very next day. Mm-hmm. So it's probably saving specifically is probably one of the most difficult money habits for not only kids, but for adults to master because of the way we're living in this microwave society before, because we're living in such a convenient society thanks to technology now <laughs> thanks to technology but they got to understand you know what goes before you can really take advantage and use the technology responsibly okay that was what I was going to ask you because you're exactly right there's always a good and bad to to when innovations occur you know and I'm a huge proponent obviously of technology and use it using it but I, I say this a lot you have to equally create with your technology as you consume. And you are right. You still have to have the core principles of understanding that even though the technology is there, it's there for convenience. And for the most part, the reason why it was invented was to solve a problem. Absolutely. And that's a great thing. But you still are a human and have to have some control. Although I'm not going to say that I haven't purchased a few non-necessary <laughs> items off Me of Amazon. Too. I mean, listen, there are some major pluses, but I'm curious to know of some of the technological tools that are out there for finance, do you have a few that you like or recommend, or it doesn't necessarily have to be even like a, a particular brand or tool, but are there some things that you think are really beneficial for individuals, kids or adults to use in terms of helping to find their, to, to better their money habits? Yes, absolutely. And I was just about to pull one up 
Um, the one, one of my favorites right now is Goal Setter, goalsetter.co. Okay. Um, this was created by a woman. She's based in, she's based in New York. Mm-hmm. And um, the, the concept is they want to help kids save, you know, save money, learn to save money, right? And so they tie their savings goals to things that the kids want to purchase, whether it's a bike, whether it's a video game. And one of the cool things that I really like about Goal Setter is they have embedded financial education quizzes inside of the app. And so not only quizzes, but it's, it's, it's really, um, they've done a really good job of tying it to culture as well. Mm-hmm. So to artists that the kids are listening to or, you know, movies or shows or, you know, cartoons, whatever, whatever the kids are into, right? They've done a magnificent job of linking the financial education quizzes to culture. And before the kid can even access the money, they've got to take these quizzes. Um, so it, it, it's like um, you take the quizzes, you're learning, and then once you get the certain number of questions um, correct, then it opens you up to have access to your money to make decisions, you know, to do whatever it is, whether it's withdrawing, depositing money, family members can um, gift you a deposit into the particular app. So that's one Ooh. of the that I'd like, but I do see so much fintech um, startup in this space, especially for kids, but also for adults. Um, so for adults, one of the things that I like it has its pros and cons, but I don't know if you've heard of the mint.com. Yeah, I have. Mm-hmm. Yep. So the thing that I like about mint.com is the algorithm behind it. Once you kind of put in all of your information, then um, it will it will look at where you live, how much you're paying for certain things, and it will send you little notifications to say, you know what, Javi? You, on average, you are paying about $50 or $100 more for your auto insurance than others in your state or in your area. And then you're like, what? And then you could go, <laughs> then you could go call and maybe look for a new auto insurance provider, right? To save you money because you, you know, some things we put on automation and we just set it and forget it. And don't remember to come back and, and, you know, check on it and try to get the best deal from time to time. Now, what I don't necessarily like about Mint.com is they also use it as an advertising tool. Mm. If, you know, new, if credit, if getting more credit is a weakness of yours, if it's something you're working through, lots of offers for new financial products that maybe otherwise you you wouldn't have paid attention to or ignored. So there's there's good and bad to it, right? So again, you have to you have to just know what your weaknesses are. Well, I literally about jumped up out of my seat when you said the <laughs> algorithm because, you know, again, my heart goes pitter patter because that is so that is all computer science, that is all technology and understanding. It's a combination of if you do this, then and the different variables that go in that create that algorithm, which are steps you take to solve a problem or to get yeah. from point A to point B. And as Holly mentioned, for this one, it's saving your money. So you want to get from point A to point B, and that's your end game is the savings what both of those are excellent 
suggestions. I think the goal setter is really great for kids. And if their member family members can even make a donation, I think that's that's excellent. Yep. That could be birthday money. It could be what I think that's a great way to and it plays into the fact that a lot of our youth are used to having some type of smart device and they are creating and using that tech instead of just consuming and going in their brains and just not understanding the pieces behind it. Before we get ready, oh my goodness, can you believe it's almost time for us to go? Like, I, I mean, we keep talking. I've already like written down four other shows that I think that we can have uh, around this topic, uh, Holly. But curious to know if you could give one piece of advice, one action item that you would recommend to our listeners to do right now as a yep. way to begin to change their mindset around money habits. And, you know, everybody has their own. I mean, some people are great, but there's still, you know, we can always tweak a little bit. What is yeah. one action item that you would give our listeners? One one action item I would suggest is to start incorporating money conversations in your everyday activities and errands. Just bring it up. Just just bring it up. So even when you're um, going to the grocery store or now a lot of people are using um, technology like Instacart um, to buy their groceries so they don't have to go into the grocery store, start incorporating your kids in those activities. Like, hey, I need you to make a list of everything, or here's my list. Here's the list of everything we need. I want you to go onto Instacart and find the best price. Find the best price for this product. And then we'll talk about options, alternatives. Um, But just start incorporating money conversations into your everyday errands and activities, whether that's grocery shopping, whether that's if you're someone that's a big giver and you do a lot of donations, start telling your child what you're donating to, why that cause or organization is important to you, just to um, so they can understand your priorities and where you put your money and um, just every little bit of, you know, anything that you do, just make it a money conversation And it doesn't have to be a lecture. Don't turn it into a lecture. Just start planting seeds here and there. And it'll make a really big difference um, so that they're not, you know, so they they know money doesn't grow on trees. So they know money doesn't come from the magic wall where you go and stick a card in and cash comes out. Oh, my gosh. Yes. (laughs) My little one said that maybe a year ago. And I thought, oh, boy, we're going to have to have a conversation about this. And, And since... But I like money conversations. Okay, carry on. Yes, yes, yes. That's my one thing. Start having those money conversations incorporated in your everyday errands and activities and start doing that with your kids. Yep. You know, and it's great because even I, well, I've actually done this for years because, you know, nerd alert, I love all of these things with figuring out data and money and that. But I used to have a, I still do this. Like I'll have a little competition with myself. I'll have a budget in my head of how much I think I'm going to spend at the store. And then I see if I can get below it or like if I get within a $5 range plus or minus. I like that. And my older son helps me a lot. You know, we'll try to figure out what that is or he'll, we'll have a conversation about, well, if it's buy one, get one free, I don't really need two boxes. So then what does that mean? And he'll be, oh, you get half off. Then I'm like, yes. And so then we talk about that, but we could go on, go on and on. I want people to know how they can get in touch with you, Holly, and learn more yep. from you because you're amazing. Tell us where they can find out about where to buy your book, um, your classes, et cetera. Yes, you can find me across all social media platforms at The Master Playbook. 
That's also my website, so themasterplaybook.com. I would love for you guys. I am most active likely on um, Facebook and Instagram, so would love for you guys to follow me there. But also check out the website. You'll see um, where you can buy the book, Teach Your Child to Fish, Five Money Habits Every Child Should Master, and then you can learn more about the programs and things that, that we do from the money camp to the you know, Smart Money Moves series for teens. Um, but we, we're always having fun, sharing practical tips just to help us move that needle and close that education gap. Listen, I think it's amazing. And I think you have made it accessible and you've made it exciting. I don't want to say fun because I, I mean, fun is that, but you have made it so that it's not such a scary conversation. Yeah. And absolutely. it's not something you have to be ashamed about. It's opening up the door and saying, I want to be a millionaire. Or I want to, I want to live a life where I'm not feeling like I'm pinching pennies from one month to the next. And how do I set myself up to have a really good financial health for myself, for my family, et cetera. And I think that's incredible. Um, and I, Love how you have built this business based on your own experience and what you have to offer and to share with young people is pretty amazing. And I thank you for being on the show with me today. Remember, everybody, Holly's action tip is, and it's my action item for today as well, is start having those money conversations. And when you're having the money conversations, it's a positive piece. How do we talk about it in a positive, not so much a negative, but what do we do? Like just having the conversation. This is the ATM. This is not the magic money machine. This is how much you those kinds of things to at least bring some awareness to your children and, and really even as a family, just thinking about with your husband or anybody else that you're having conversations about, what does the monthly budget look like? And how can, I love the piece about, um, the uh, car insurance. Pretty sure that I might, I might need to investigate that on my own too. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, I might need to maybe take my own take that own action item there about that conversation, Holly. Thank you so much for being on the show. If you have enjoyed what you're hearing, please follow us on Coding the Future on the Voice America Network. You can also find Coding the Future on all the podcast apps. Just type in Coding the Future, Spotify, Google Play, Apple. Apple Podcasts, let me get that out right, and any of the other platforms, type in Coding the Future and get an alerts and subscribe so you can hear all the amazing guests that I have. You can find out more about the work that I do in helping to support young ladies in computer science at DottieRoseFoundation.org or the work that I do in K-12 education, just like Holly, to help support educators to overcome their, hmm, maybe thoughts about technology and incorporating computer science across the board at the .consulting.co. Thank you again, Holly. Thank you for being here. Thank you for everyone that has joined us for this hour. And action item, have those money conversations and have a great time figuring out how you can become a millionaire. You know you want to. All right, we'll see everyone on the next show. Thank you again and have a great afternoon. The world needs more women with tech skills. At the Dottie Rose Foundation, we encourage, support, and educate girls who have an interest in technology and want to learn how it can be used to enhance their learning and future careers. Our camps demonstrate that most future career paths will benefit from developing a wide range of increasingly important technology and software skills. We accomplish this through mastering computational thinking, boosting self-confidence, and creating new possibilities for each girl. Visit DottieRoseFoundation.org. 
Thank you so much for listening to Coding the Future. Please join your host, Dr. Sharon Jones, for another edition next Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time. That's 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll talk then. 